to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 210 with Lazuli, Hatent Harmonizations, Music Lover, Psychonaut, Galactic Soul, Libra. Join the team as we get to know Lazuli, a chica in the Pacific Northwest who is cool, imaginative, and asking all the right questions as she tumbles down that rabbit hole. Welcome and well met. What up, Lazuli? Greetings. How's it going, guys? It's not too bad. Um, we've been Facebook friends for a fucking couple years, I think, maybe three, five years, some, uh, longer than a few. Uh, we've never really talked much, uh, but we'll get into this in a second. Um, so something we do on the podcast here is break down the uh, episode number into a major arcana of the Tarot, and this is episode two, one, uh, two, zero, oh, no, no, I was right, 210. Um, which is three, the Empress, uh, which is actually, you're a Libra, so as Raphael, the Empress card is ruled by Libra, so, I mean, uh, Venus, which rules Libra. So the Empress card is, I fully embrace life's rich fecundity. The Empress card, everything is possible, allowing abundance into your life, tapping into the creative flow of the universe, starting something nurturing. Raphael, what card do you have? We have the angel number 24, angel of protection belonging to the thrones. This angel is invoked to obtain the grace and mercy of God. It is associated with uh, the Four of Cups. The affirmation goes, I experience enthusiasm and I will experience the balance of feeling internally satisfied and fulfilled. So out of curiosity, Lazuli, um, what, if anything, resonated between those two cards? Oh, well, um, it seems to be in perfect alignment. Um, you know, living life with compassion um, and creativity uh, moving through you. And uh, I don't know, just 102 is my birthday. So 10-2, uh, uh, I've also pulled the Empress card multiple times, especially in recent times. Um, and yeah, just service through compassion and creativity, you know, being creators on this planet and this human experience resonates very deeply. That's what's up. Yeah, Empress is definitely Bay. Um, I've got a North Node, Midheaven, and Venus in Taurus, which is also ruled by Venus. Uh, so very much Empress energy in my life. So you guys also blessed by that energy as Libras. Um, so like I was saying, I've been friends with you on Facebook, uh, for years, half a decade, possibly. Um, I think at one time when I was, uh, gardening in Fort Collins and growing weed, I think at some point we talked briefly, but I think you were hanging out with two dudes, like we FaceTimed or something, uh, and you were with two dudes and drinking a beer. I don't even know if you remember this. It was kind of like a, Hey, what's up? And I was like, not much. And that was kind of that. Um, we didn't talk at length, but um, what's your recollection of how our paths have crossed? I mean, I don't know if it was a Terrence McKenna group or a Psychonaut group or some weird, you know, Psytrance group, but do you have any recollection offhand? If not, that's okay. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, for one, uh, I've healed a lot since we've met. I don't drink alcohol anymore. Props. Um, Good job. Uh, 
I do remember uh, I I found you, and I think uh, I think it was just because of your profile picture. I felt drawn. There's a point in my life. Um, it began uh, probably back in 2012 when I created the group Galactic Activation. Um, and since then, I've been searching and seeking out other uh, conscious people and psychonauts through the interwebs. And uh, I think I just added you one day. And then um, pretty soon after, started following the Rabbit Hole uh, group and podcast. And um, it's interesting that Galactic Activation I created in 2011 or 12. It's still an active group. It's kind of a ghost group, to be honest. Uh, I don't really post much there, but there's about 1,500 people in that group. But I think I just uh, felt drawn to your energy. And um, to be honest, I don't remember that video chat, which uh, is pretty interesting. You apply a couple uh, paps deep. It's all good. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, yeah, I've chosen... Uh, to heal my vessel. I probably won't drink alcohol anymore ever again, just because it's, um, it is a spirit, uh, and it amplifies the essence of, of who you are. And it also blocks us from, um, being divine channels to, um, to our purpose here on this planet. And, uh, especially if you're going through any trauma, I strongly, uh, do not recommend, putting toxins in in the body well as daft punk says we're human after all so don't fret too hard uh i don't drink really anymore either uh though i did it i mean i smoked weed every day multiple times tripped once a week for a long time drank pretty much nightly if not you know other you know hard <laughs> for a long time and i'm surprised i haven't had lasting damage but yeah it's poison um but it's hard to show people you know, when you get to your own mountaintop, it's hard to convey that to other people. So I'm glad you're doing what's good for you. Ultimately, that's all you can do. Um, so let's kind of dig in and we'll get into all sorts of juicy stuff. I'm glad the Galactic Activation Group rings a bell. I think I'm in it still, actually. <laughs> I could be wrong. Um, and it's dope. Obviously, uh, Raphael's a channeler and he turned me on to Bashar. Um, we, we've met each other more like 2014, 15 when I posted a DMT trip report. Um, talking about some crazy stuff I experienced. By, back in 2011 when I blasted off for the first time uh, and he hit me up and we've been friends ever since So, but he's all about starseeds um, and he turned me on to Lisa Royal Holt's uh, Galactic Heritage deck all sorts of cool shit so I'm sure we'll get into that but kind of um, take me through as much or as little as you want I know you're not from Ashland where you're living now I think or around there uh, I think you're from San Diego originally but uh, tell me like, what was growing up like culture when did you start becoming magical? Clearly you were tuned in to the 2012 kind of shift, all that jazz kind of fill me in on who thou art. Well, um, when I was born, um, and in my early childhood, I identified with something, um, within myself that was quote unquote different, um, which I feel a lot of us experience, but we tend to, um, remove that magic uh, through society and uh, environment and upbringing. And uh, I guess um, I chose this incarnation to experience certain uh, 
struggles and traumas that ultimately pushed me to be more deeply connected with the self uh, very early on. I started uh, remembering uh, astral projection and travel from probably around the age four or five. And, um, and I, before I could label it or study it, I just um, continued to practice it um, through the mentalist mind state and was very lucid in my up, upbringing and spent a lot of time in isolation with uh, my mind and my consciousness. Um, my upbringing was good. Um, there was, you know, typical family trauma and other generational traumas that we all experience on one, one level or another. Um, but what was interesting is I'm Jewish and um, through my ancestry, we kind of erased a lot of that culture and religion and my name. Your thumb might have slipped. Lauren. Hello? Am I yeah. here? Yeah, you're here. Okay. Sometimes okay. the thumb my, slips. I, I, where did you last hear me? You're Jewish, but you kind of swept that under the rug culturally uh, through the family line or something to that effect? Yeah, it was considered, um, you know, not so good to be Jewish when my ancestors came here. So they actually... Um, converted to Catholicism uh, through my father's side. And um, so, you know, the depths to which that goes, you know, there was a lot of culture and um, spirituality that was kind of forgotten within uh, my family line um, that ultimately found its way back to me. Um, my, my grandmother, uh, my mother's mother, who's also Jewish, helped raise us, and she was my saving grace. And she spoke to me about angels and celestial forces and uh, sentient beings from an early age and um, helped to retain that magic and that connection. Um, and, yeah. So it doesn't so, sound like they were too orthodox in the sense that they were beating you over with the Talmud. Or something like that. It seems like they were. She was, at least she was pretty open. I mean, it's, it sounds like most of the family was like, "Look, it's better maybe not to like be loud about this shit. It cost us in the past. So let's just not." Whereas she was kind of like, "Yo, magic's real. Like, check this shit out." Yeah, and um, you know, my my mother and father, I I consider them to be somewhat spiritual, but they in this incarnation are kind of. Um, blocked off or there's some type of ancestral trauma in this incarnation that I'm healing uh, to reconnect with that source of, of divinity that is so deeply uh, ingrained in my, my spiritual genetics. That's what's up. Uh, was, was she kind of showing you, I mean, was she reading like the Old Testament or, you know, what Christians call the Old Testament? Like, how is she kind of keeping you? It sounds like, woo, she might have been turning on to like spirituality in a broader sense, but was there anything specific? Was she like showing you tarot cards or anything like that? She never did, no. Um, she only taught me to uh, connect with my angels and call upon my angels. A big, big influence on angels. And so before that even became popularized in, you know, in the, in our generation, um, 
you know, I was super into that before, you know, Doreen Virtue and all these, these other millennial spiritual texts and such. And um, as I got older, I, of course, started reading and digging more deep into the, the depths of uh, the Kabbalah and um, different scriptures that are much older than, uh, you know, what you see now. Um, and of course, there's a lot. Of, of course, sure. there's a lot of deception there as well. Um, but yeah, no, there's monkeys never... telling monkeys other stories. It's hard to figure out what's true out here. Yeah, especially in uh, you know hermetic mysticism, you, a lot of it is going to the root of of what really happened. You know what what really is of truth. So, did you tell her about your kind of astral projection and and? you know, different nature. I mean, it seems like you're pretty woke from an early age. I don't, I haven't talked to too many people who have been lit up like, I mean, like that. I don't know about you, Raphael, but it sounds like she kind of turned on without a red pill pretty early. So were you telling your grandma or whatever about this? I spoke to my grandmother about my visions and um, we kind of kept it between each other. Um, my, my mother was uh, experiencing, you know, processing her own trauma and um so it's kind of yeah something that my grandmother and i shared which is interesting because you know in judaism the spiritual genetics is passed through the mother and um and so it was interesting that you know she was kind of my teacher to bounce things off of but a lot of it was ventured solely by myself. Um, a lot of it, I didn't understand why I was experiencing it or how I was experiencing it, but I kind of, you know, just went with it. Um, there was also a huge influence with nature. Um, being outside, I was, you know, often yelled at for being outside or I was you meditating. You a wood elf, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was always outside, always meditating, always creating some type of potion or a elixir or or um you know speaking to plant spirits and um and i do believe them to be very real you know i retain that magic and um there's not a day that goes by when i'm alive and take a breath where i'm not in awe of this planet and the gifts that we're given to uh to be here so you were growing up in socal am i right about that Yep, yep, SoCal. How is um, that? I mean, I've been to San Diego and LA a few times. It's actually really beautiful in its own weird way. It's changed a lot. Um, it's beautiful. San Diego's very beautiful. And as, as far as... I much uh, prefer San Diego to LA, for the record. Even though Venice Beach is cool and all that. Malibu's interesting. But uh, yeah, San Diego's <laughs> where it's at. LA's cool. There's a, a beautiful art scene there and it's just, you know, chaotic, beautiful. Um, but San Diego is this like real serene, um, more slowed down beach type vibe, um, high desert with lots of uh, chaparral and, you know, white sage and medicinal desert plants. Um, there's a bigger focus on, uh, you know, entheogens and um, cacti, cacti medicine and and stuff. But um, yeah, I grew up in San Diego. Um, in my 
childhood, much of my main focus was through the arts and through dance. I was a Chiquetti trained ballerina for 16 years, and that was something um, that I was aligned with and really wanted to do. So what is Chiquetti that, trained? Elaborate on that just briefly, because uh, you do strike me as someone who's nimble with the body and dancey. Like, it doesn't surprise me that you're a ballerina. Like, that, but I'm like, oh, what? Chiquetti is a, a specific... Uh, type of discipline schooling that comes from the United Kingdom. So instead of, you know, your typical American ballet, you have examiners that uh, come from Europe um, to uh, instill their their system and uh, and to grade you based upon your progress. Interesting. Sounds like uh, reverberations of the Judaism in the sense of it's like a, a very structured lineage of, uh, you know, passing down of information, but in this form of dance. Um, so were you doing, I mean, obviously probably recitals. I've only seen like Black Swan. My, you know, my, my awareness of ballet is pretty limited. How did that affect your psyche? Did you enjoy socializing as a Libra? Were you still like, you know, seeing spirits during dance? How'd that work? Uh, I think dance for me was um, a refuge. It was a place where I could be in my body and because oftentimes I was not. And uh, aside from school, which I had a pretty high intelligence but didn't, didn't want to be at school, didn't want to be in school, um, very resistant and stubborn. I've got a Taurus moon, so I'm, you know, the double Venus there of... You know, I wanted to be immersed in art and beauty, and um, in my experience, it was very, uh, very disciplined, very competitive, um, heartbreaking at times, but I pushed myself uh, to be in my body, and um, I was proud of that, and I was able, yeah, I spent most of my my childhood and early adulthood inside a theater with a full orchestra pit and performances and um, you know, routines and recitals and uh, all, the whole nine. So I know that you ended up going to like, it seems more like concerts, conscious festivals, whatever you want to call I mean, raves maybe even. Did you, did you see just stand out as a ballerina with your dance moves? <laughs> What's interesting about that is actually it took me, um, took me a long time to break through just dancing in general without it being choreographed. But um, once I was able to actually break through, it was very powerful. Um, and in detail, it actually took uh, a, a minor amount of MDMA uh, to actually break me through that at one point, um, which began, uh, we would go, I started going to Moon Tribe which is like, you know, the grandfather of, of desert festivals. It, it created um, much of that culture. Back when I was probably, you know, 18 or 19. And then, you know, that turned into different venues and events and collaborative events, you know, collectives of pockets of artists and music. And um, yeah, I definitely would say as far as a, a trained ballerina i definitely stand out as far as a dancer goes but it's it's really not about ego it's it's more like yoga where you you know you 
you create and you move your body, but when you start thinking about what other people think or what you look like, that's when you're not authentically, uh, you know, living um, and expressing, you know? Most definitely understand. I'm a musician and I, uh, I play guitar. My brother plays drums back in high school. We'd have kids over and eat mushrooms and jam and shit like that. And it would always fuck. I mean, I have a 12,000 mercury and um, Mars conjunct in cancer. So it's like, I'll just be channeling basically music. It sounds like you do the same with dance kind of. And if you kind of get, if you become aware, like if someone basically like, like hoots or hollers and like, yeah, this is awesome jam or whatever, it gets you out of the flow into your head in a certain place where you start having to be like performance. I think uh, anxiety necessarily, but it's like, is this good? Is this approval? Is this going to work? Blah, blah. Like it's a different total mindset than just kind of flowing like you're saying. Yeah. And I've noticed um, with performance, comes kind of a a veneer or a false projection which in the performance art is a beautiful thing but to live authentically is uh in my opinion a lot more powerful and uh that that divinity and that spark um comes through you you know more smoothly if if you take your mind out of it kind of reminds me of like uh i'm sure it's beautiful to like get all the steps right in a bar mitzvah or something you know or like some religious ceremony versus um in the psalms i think it was david was like basically in the streets naked dancing being all bipolar and being like fuck yeah i love god or whatever he's doing um very not traditional the, the veneer was gone like you're saying um and it kind of comes with both i think there's this kind of like cultural stoicism in the west that we tend to try to get things perfected to a point where it's almost it, you know, it depends. A lot of those ballerinas you're probably hanging out with might not have even been doing it out of joy per se, but more of like, I can do this, so I will excel, or my family wants me to do this for cultural reasons, or you know, whatever. Um, Raphael, you have any thoughts about that in terms of like authenticity versus like, you know, structuralism? I guess because both pay off in different ways. Um, but you know, you don't want to just run around being a crazy authentic person to the point where I mean. You know, that's not what culture tends to like. Well, I'm not saying you don't. It's a spectrum, right? People, you know, if you're like an Aquarius stallion, you're probably running around with all sorts of crazy, you know, neon kitty outfit or whatever and don't give a shit, like furries <laughs> and stuff, right? That's probably more Aquarius energy. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just wanted to know your thoughts. You've been awfully silent, but that doesn't mean you're having a bad time. You are nicely, but like that. So your question is in regards to ballet in specific, or no, no, like uh, I don't know either of you. What are your thoughts? I mean, she's kind of saying you know structure's cool, and you know training leads to Da Vinci types and you know schools of thought, and you know it's you get George Lucas went to art school, so of course he's gonna or you know film school, so of course he's yeah, gonna well, make Star Wars. I mean, who many dropped out still made great things. Uh, at the same time, you know, it's always it's usually both aspects and it also really depends i i believe on one's individual configuration like what kind of schools during what period are really suitable there may be a time for someone when they're like oh yes i want like i don't know six in the morning to ten in the evening military style education to learn media design or i don't know what and that may be perfect for a period and then for whatever reasons people may choose a different modality i guess you know, there's so many factors um, in my view, but I mean, obviously it seems at least, you know, diligence is a 
path that appears to pay off repetition, you know, really getting into something repeatedly. Um, well, even like Bashar, he like trained his body to handle the energy coming in. He didn't just kind of jam, if that makes sense. Though he is at a level two, like Daryl. Yeah, Daryl Anka, sorry. Right. Sure. I mean, and I think it's natural that, you know, now, I mean, maybe the other interesting question would be to what degree is there, you know, inherent talent and to what degree do you have to enable that? Whereas then, of course, the view would be that everyone already, in a sense, contains ultimate talent. The only idea is to remove the obstructions. Although I may be willing to believe that within the human life, there is also an aspect of needing to, you know, learn certain skills, like, I mean, needing, like language and so on, right? And even with dance, you know, how does the saying go? You learn the rules to be able to break the rules, right? Yeah, Miles Davis said, like, learn all the theory you can, then forget it. So I think the structure as kind of um, almost like Forrest Gump's leg braces, it gives you form to be able to ultimately run on your own with eventually. So it's kind of a weird thing. Uh, I think even Mozart, like, you know, he was jamming on a violin at four or five. His dad was a musician. So it's like, it seems like you could, you know, natural talent and like ability and things like that are good in and of themselves, but without refinement, it can kind of not go the distance in a sense but it's a weird balancing act as you leapers might understand and it's funny because uh lauren i didn't i don't know your chart i don't have it on me i should have asked for that i didn't know you were a taurus moon so that makes a lot of sense that you're going to find you know grace through embodiment emotionally in that sense like as a catharsis yeah um i just wanted to add too there's a in in my consciousness there's a focus on um you know the term automatic writing uh, it's it's letting something flow through you, like similar to Raphael saying, you know, removing those obstacles. And sometimes um, I like to write as well. Um, I have, you know, part of my Lazuli empire is galactically speaking. And, um, you know, the perfectionism can can be a blockage if if you overthink and you think you're not good enough or you, you, you know, similar to a musician where you, you write something and you don't like it, or you, you don't think it's good enough or you won't put it out there. And, um, recently in my practice, I've just been journaling, um, and writing down thoughts and just letting them, them flow through me, um, instead of micromanaging and nitpicking, uh, which I'm prone to doing. Props. I know that take. I mean, that's a step of evolution in and of itself. Learning how to kind of like uh, feel the force or whatever. You know, you don't have to get it just right. I think in Star Wars, uh, Luke's like, "I gotta get this fucking shot in the hole." In, in A New Hope, Episode Four, um, and you know, you had, or Ben Kenobi, Obi Wan Kenobi's voice is like, "Just close your fucking eyes, bro. Like flow." Um, I mean, isn't this even the same with like super high class piano players and so on that they? If they're like really zone, good, dude. I mean, yeah, but they excel at the technique, but there, there, there is a layer beyond that, that even if you do it completely by the book, well, it's done 100% perfectly by the book, but it's not as interesting as someone who's able to do that. And then there's a variation on that, right? I guess I can only assume it may be similar with ballet. Although, of course, there I, again, only assume they train you towards, you know, really being able to perfectly do it. But not, yeah, then there will still be some aspect of individual expression that cannot really be replicated at will, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, with, as a, as with any creative gift, um, 
whether it's cooking or music or dance, um, if that that human, if that vessel is, you know, truly in alignment and expressing that emotion through their art, it's felt and it's seen uh, much more powerfully than if you're doing it um, mechanically. Totes. So um, I'm kind of curious, uh, you're talking about automatic writing, Raphael's he channels um, consciously. I, I mean, I call kind of anything one does channeling it, not to be kind of semantic about it, but it seems I, I never really tried automatic writing. Um, what were, uh, when did you start? How do I put this? You're doing ballet for a long time. Did you go to college? Did you keep doing all this stuff? When did you start getting like more deep into magic and psychedelics? Like, what was your first drug trips like? <laughs> that kind of stuff. Well, um, I did not go to college. Um, I decided actually, well, I went to like one or two years of junior college. I decided to leave San Diego and start traveling. I think there was a huge connection with the psychedelic community in San Diego and the network that I realized was much, much larger than uh, the San Diego bubble. And uh, my first experience with any psychedelics was psilocybin um i did not approved (laughs) yes yes did you not smoke weed before that i actually had an aversion to weed i started smoking weed around the same time i started uh with mushrooms which was around 16 um but that's young yeah i i uh but i wasn't regularly practicing i just was was with a group of people who are more mature and educated about it than myself i was actually quite fearful one of my biggest fears was that it would take away my natural ability to astral project um and to be in the meditative states that i had um worked to be in so and i realized later that it only enhanced them but Shut yeah, up yeah. for that. It's all I don't take the warning label off. It's always funny because that's really wise of you in a way to be apprehensive for the safety of your natural talents. You don't want to burn out the lights or whatever. But at the same time, I'm glad that wasn't the case. Yeah, there's there's so many um, who who try to reach God so quickly that um, especially in the dimethyltryptamine realm gets smacked in the face uh, pretty hard with the uh, you know ye shall not pass because they haven't integrated the spiritual work. So I wanted to make sure that my spirit was ready to handle such things. And, um, and I'm glad that I took my time with it. But it's um, funny that you said the whole cock block kind of like bouncer. The first time I DMT, um, I had a Kundalini activation and saw Egyptian deities and all this shit. And I was not like mentally ready for it. Cause I just wasn't culturally like aware that was possible. Um, and the second time I did it, like a week later, I was like, holy shit, this is back in 2011. I was like, I got it. That was the greatest thing ever. And I did it again. And a mantid being was like, you shouldn't be here. <laughs> You're a Christian. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, <laughs> so it's funny that that occurred. That's how Raphael, like I said, I told him that trip report. And he was like, hey, <laughs> or whatever happened, here we are now. Interesting. You talk about the Egyptian entities. Um, that was my first, my first DMT trip, um, which is related to why I call myself and have been named Lazuli. Um, So I traveled, I left San Diego, I spent some time in Los Angeles in the artist district. Um, I 
I traveled up to Santa Cruz through San Jose to Oakland and then now to Oregon, um, all connected through the psychedelic community and uh, network That's of friends. That's the psychedelic Oregon Trail, basically. <laughs> went <laughs> yeah. from San Diego all the way up to Canada through yeah, like, yeah, mushroom for dealers. Sure. <laughs> for sure. And, um, in, and what's funny is I didn't really know what I was seeking. Like my... I knew that my purpose on this planet was to anchor light. I knew that I wanted to connect to the earth. I knew that the future uh, was ancient. And so I kind of just was winging it. And um, my my first DMT experience uh, was before I left San Diego in the Mojave Desert in 2011. And so same year as, uh, hey, we were hitting the same vibes. Mine was in November 2011, so I had just gotten back from Hawaii. Um, so I don't know when you were doing it, but go for it if you want to tell us a little about that experience. Yeah, I, uh, I, I chose to do it. I was, uh, you know, the typical level of fearful. Um, and I was with a female, a good friend of mine named Renee, who is also a disc jockey and, and musician. And she was kind of... Um, my older sister and kind of my psychonaut guide. And she said, you know, I, I, I want to do this properly with you and, and vaporize with you and be one-on-one -on -one with you and be away from, you know, the party scene and, um, you know, really intentionally do this and set this up for you for the best experience, um, you know, with the highest intent. And we hiked about, <laughs> two miles outside of uh, the gathering with water and all everything we needed. And I blasted off on this uh, ceremonial rock that had, you know, engravings in it for the medicinal plants surrounding us. And so I knew uh, that rock itself had been used for ceremonial purposes, which was very powerful in itself. Um, and she had spoken to me about doing eyes closed, eyes open. Um, she didn't speak during my trip. Um, Good trip, but, but, by the record, props. Yeah, um, but she gently, you know, told me to open my eyes at a certain point. Um, with my eyes closed, um, it was like this really groovy, like soft wind Egyptian uh, planes with pyramids and these um, kind of like record keepers they were these cloaked beings with tablets <clears throat> but they weren't they didn't give me any uh negative vibes they were just recording information and or uh like sending and receiving information um, but it was a really like relaxed um familiar vision and then uh then when i opened my eyes i did i took two rips uh vaporized by the way uh, with no flour, nothing, you know, nothing added to it. No base. Yeah. And uh, when I opened my eyes, um, similar to my astral projection, I just straight up swung around the universe. I, I was uh, quite literally examining different minerals and rocks on different planets. And when I... You're like, I want to check out the geology. <laughs> Yeah, and when oh, the biggest trip is when I came back to body, I was squeezing onto this uh, elestial smoky quartz that the one crystal that she had brought 
with um, was in my hand. And so it was a, a, even a bigger trip to realize that like I was doing that here now and everywhere past, present, future. It was, it was definitely a, a huge uh, realization. Um, and it, you know, left me speechless for quite some time. So you had been around people that, pro I mean, probably heard Terrence McKenna lectures. I like I had been vaguely familiar that DMT was like the Mount, uh, you know, uh, Olympus of psychedelics. Like that it was like five minutes, you know, hold on to your horses, the DMT elves kind of thing. But uh, I mean, very briefly, like I was alone. I was kind of, I was delivering pizza, smoking weed and drinking paps, like just kind of like party boy, like lazy party boy mode after Hon living in Honolulu for two years. And uh, my friend, I was like, I went to my dude and I was like, I don't, I want something harder than weed because I was just smoking like, you know, an eighth a day or something crazy at that point. And um, <laughs> I was like, I mean, I was a pothead for a long time. Uh, it was like straight up. When, when we FaceTimed, I was growing weed and I was definitely smoking like an eighth or a quarter a day kind of thing. Uh, but it's easy to do when you're growing like, you know, 30 fucking uh, uh, pounds of, or, you know, whatever, a quarter of the year. In any event, um, went to my dude and I was like, I want something hard but not coke basically and at that point i wasn't chill with acid i had done acid a few times in high school and had pretty intense experiences to the point where i was like i'll put that on the shelf for a while i don't understand that um mushrooms were cool um but even that was you know i had been tripping on mushrooms like once a week for a while and had a, like a semi-nervous breakdown in high school uh which are actually included astral projection ironically in meeting jesus but i won't get into that now Point is, uh, went to my dude, got the DMT, went home, put in Philip Glass. Uh, he has an album. He's one of my favorite composers. Uh, he has a, a song or a, whatever, an album or something called Kayanakatsi, um, which is also to a film series, which is really dope if you've never seen it. And I was just like, oh, this is going to be like Mushroom Vision. I'm going to just see the walls breathe for like 10 minutes or whatever. Not, uh, you know, hit it immediately you were talking about closed-eyed i mean it's nice that you had a trip guide i, I was just kind of like it's two in the morning i'm at my dad's uh condo my brother's asleep in the other room i just delivered pizzas like i'll do this real quick sure you know that kind of energy um i took it seriously i guess but not like not like you it, it sounds like you had more aesthetic uh experience to say the least but bottom line you know all of a sudden um you know took it and uh, it was like a you know two or three tenths of a gram it was not a small amount this guy basically my dude back in richmond virginia where i was you know i was like do you have anything harder than you know weed basically but nothing like extreme it was like oh you can have some dmt for free and i was like oh i've heard of this but i've never thought to ask for it because it's just not on my radar and he gave me a first aid uh band-aid box apparently he had that's how he snuck it into a concert or something and it just had all this like orange shards at the bottom and i was like huh so I took it home, scraped it out, put it on some weed, toked, and now I had heard McKenna enough or whatever was aware. It's like, hold your fucking breath. Like, don't fuck around with this. And I didn't know what to expect. So I took it and immediately I'm like, oh, God damn it. Like, a psychic tidal wave is coming. I know it. Like, I just could tell something was about to happen, right? It's the best way to put it. Like, all sweaty palmed. I'm just like, what the fuck is this feeling? T minus two seconds. After about three or five seconds, uh, I had to rip off the earbuds listening to this Philip Glass because I was just like overwhelmed sensatorially. It's kind of like when Neo does, uh, you know, starts um, defract, like turns metallic or whatever in the Matrix, and he's like, "What the fuck's going on?" Uh, it even has a kind of a blasting off sound effect in that film, ironically, with the pixelated kind of. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 
there that sound that you're hearing um is is also experienced in astral projection and it's um astral noise it's it's breaking through the some atmosphere people, yeah some people attune it to like an old modem um or you know vibrating frequency but it's actually like your your spirit uh, connected to your etheric core, just being pulled out of your your body to a different dimension. That makes sense. Because, like I said, as soon as I took, it, I was like, something's about to happen. And then, from the lowest possible like perceptive frequency to the highest possible pitch, I just heard. And then all of a sudden, I was like, I looked up, and on my ceiling was a uh, like a a Sahasrara kind of thousand petal lotus thing. I guess my crown chakra. I'm not even sure. And then I popped through it, and all of a sudden, I was. I mean, open-eyed, because at this point I was like, what the fuck is going on? I didn't have any, you know, bearing on what to expect. And I was kind of just looking around my room, and over top of everything, as you may know, both of you having done DMT, it was just like a thick holographic layer. It was almost like being in two places at once. So it was like, I'm in my room, but I am in another dimension simultaneously. What the fuck? And it was like subterranean. There was Enochian kind of looking writing everywhere. It felt ancient, like not like pre-Egyptian, you know, like that kind of weird vibe. Um, future primitive super weird super weird i looked over to my right because at this point i'm checking my heart out being like am i dead did i just lose my mind like what the fuck like like you know not panicking quite but like approaching panic edge where i you know i don't have a trip sitter telling me it's gonna be okay i'm just like what's that what have i done to myself i look over to my right on my bed because i've collapsed to my knees at this point kind of like out of awe or whatever all the you know it feels like you know, every color that's not effable, every non-Euclidean kind of everything is going on. Very much Doctor Strangey vibes. Um, I'm looking over in my bed, and there's like seven blue orbs, kind of like intelligent balls, kind of like he was saying that the elves might have tried to hand them off or whatever, McKenna. And as soon, as, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I look in front of me, and basically, I don't remember if it was Anubis or you know raw or what but basically i mean it was just this masculine dark brooding saturnian plutonian like bouncer like egyptian deity like 12 foot tall dude and it's like you know yes, body yes. of a man head of an animal and i was like oh the fuck and then all of a sudden it's like <laughs> psychically because i'm just sitting there being like what's going on oh i spaced i forgot there was a little frog that was strobing black and white right at the beginning and it kind of came to me like a mesoamerican frog and i was like you're not dead don't frog. panic huh I just want to point out because I mean, with only on the sides, you know, touched upon this, but the frog, which has become more popular with the whole meme thing recently, is like the god of laughter and the god that comes just before the dawn and is associated with uh, rebirth. So, yeah, nice frog. And of course, it's combo medicine and so on, of course, as well. Yeah. Right. I wasn't, I mean, I, I wasn't hip to that shit yet. I still haven't done combo, cambo or anything like that. But, um, yeah, this frog. And also, go for it. Five meo DMT, you know, the frog medicine as well. Right. Well, I I haven't. I see. I'm not. I'm not such a psychonaut that I'm like. I know exactly what I was doing. I kind of just took what I got and did it. And I've done DMT that's white powder since then, and have not. I mean, I've had you know. Oh, I see like reptilian. Kind what of was patterns. the other like, thing you had, the first time? Uh, oh, uh, well, it was like dark orange shards. Okay, uh, but it's both time like crystal form because sometimes you can also get it like. Extract it, and then you can have it. What I think is most comfortable approach because it doesn't. I mean, when you're handling like these crystals, and it's maybe just my like presumption, but it almost seems like you know, like kind of like dealing with crack or something. Like just looks so strange. Not you know, 
whatever but uh, and it's just difficult to handle it seemed i only like i think saw it one time at a festival or whatever and if it's in a changa form then it's basically just extracted and then applied to herbs which are like very neutral and then it's you know just like rolling a cigarette basically makes it easier to consume uh, in my view but okay so it was dmt crystals um yeah i don't even know if there is a synthetic version of that as well or if it's although i kind of assume it's usually always extracted from plants i have no clue like i said i just took it from my deed and was like word oh, oh thanks for the ground score or whatever you know it's like brief sure i'll take it um but yeah i'll just be brief so this like masculine you know 12 foot dude or whatever is sitting in front of me psychically scanning me and i'm like i'm being red like you know like a barcode on a fucking produce or something and i'm just like oh shit i'm out of my pay grade i don't know what the fuck this is i can't do it back to this guy and then all of a sudden to my mind it's like so you're a christian and i was a christian at this point i mean i'm still a christian but it's like I wasn't practicing or anything. I'm just kind of sat there, gap, you know, just being like, what? Like a gog and just being like, I have no clue what to, like, should I answer? I don't know what to feel. And then it kind of energetically was like, look, I know what you are through your gang sign, bro. Like, you can't, like, you got to say this, not me. Like, speak, you know, <laughs> so mode it be. What are you? Kind of thing. And I, the only thing I said during this whole trip was like, Jesus is Lord or some Christianese like that. And all of a sudden, that brooding, kind of masculine, um, dense, like, heavy, kind of, bouncer energy was like sure and all of a sudden equally simultaneously this feminine shekinah electro rainbow isis mott whatever energy kind of was like you know this winged lady or whatever rainbow lady came up and was like ding 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 that's the right answer and came into my belly and then i my kundalini was like my spine was like and basically i ripped off all my clothes reverse gardevine style because i was like why the fuck am i wearing clothes and i sat there naked in my bedroom at 2 a.m looking up at like a red orb or something being like god looks at me as perfect what the fuck and then uh, you know of course i went back to my dude i was like that was insane like i all you know valhalla is real all the myths are real what the fuck give me more of that he gave me more and then i did it again and a mantid being was like no 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 integrate that shit yeah it's it's a, a kind of a ripping of identity uh you know in congruence with healing and you know with removing illusion you know your identity isn't christian uh spirituality and identity goes far beyond you know labels and so the the dmt realm has always really shown the truth um and there's so many different dimensions it's it's a trip i've always wondered what would happen if i hadn't pulled the christian card like if i'd been like no i'm an atheist you know whatever um, I don't know if anything it would have gone so not, swimmingly. Anything that's not of truth won't fly in that realm. Apparently. Yeah, I've only done it, like I did that, like I said, in 2011, and I was gifted some DMT last year or the year before. My a friend who gave me, like I was buying acid from. And uh, yeah, totally different experience. Like I, I took it around the country and went like to LA and my friends in Portland and Florida and stuff and I was traveling around and we would just toke it and it was way chill. Like, I mean, it was the kind of thing where it's like, oh, I see, you know, it almost looked like Tool, their new um, Fear Inoculum album cover, where it's just like really kind of geometric snake energy or whatever. It wasn't, but I never broke through like that again. So I'm kind of touching yeah, like Alaska. The, the, the NMDMT is like more of a, 
you you kind of stay in the realm, the dimension around you that you're in, but everything is kind of transformed into this um, this code or or like I've experienced that too, which is really cool. What variant are you speaking of? Uh, I've had DMT DMT trips where you know I leave my body, I go to a different place. Right, right. I think but you then, meant like the chemical, like you were saying. NMT was it like a different substance? Or yeah. altered? Yeah, I think it was DMT, but it's similar to most uh, molecules, there's so many variations of them. Um, one time I smoked it, it was the, yeah, the orange crystals I smoked. Um, we actually packed one of those really old vaporizer boxes, the wooden box with the hose. Um, it, and we put like a you know, a gram, gram and a half inside this thing. And between Whoa. three people, yeah. And between three people, we just chiefed on that, uh, you know, until we didn't know that that was a hose that we were smoking out of. And that trip was very similar. Yeah. To the, um, the Alex Gray vibes where, uh, in that specific dimension, quote unquote, um, it was very Alex Gray, very like visceral, but also I saw some entities there as well. I saw this um, like knotted wood creature come out of the fireplace, which was pretty trippy. Um, and, and, you know, there's so many dimensions and spiritual paths. Um, a lot of people only experience as deeply as they've met themselves. Like I know um, a person who told me, you know, I can't, I can't break through. All I see is energized bunnies with, with pink fluffy tails listening to dubstep, and they have a very like uh, jester type experience. Um, but I think that breaking through um, tends to be a little bit more celestial. And more um, like if you're initiated and ready, you get to go there. Kind of field trip. The way that I understand it, or that experiences I've had. So there is, as you mentioned, a great variation in terms of also whether one keeps his, I think, or her eyes open or closed can make a big difference. The amount, you know, set setting, all kinds of things. And of course, as you said, how deeply you know yourself. One thing that appears to be common also in reports one can find online, they oftentimes talk about this kind of lobby room or in between room, which again, you know, may just be a kind of collectivized definition of something that's ultimately, of course, very individual. However, in particular, this idea of a gesture energy coming up. So I believe I shared this experience once before with a friend. And what was relayed here was that first there was like a 2D layer with like, you know, fractal type gestures. And after that was like a lesson with like dragons about basically polarity and integration. So really well for this particular case, let's say. But the main differentiation I see also from my experience is that in the beginning, like if you hit the right amount and let's say both in terms of chemical reaction and in terms of your own psychology, you would be ready to go. Then usually it's like first you like it goes up like this tone, like you mentioned, then you notice at least I like, okay, now basically my brain is saturated. There is no, no point or no possibility to saturate it further. And then it's the way I experience it. I'm kind of like locked into that state for like 15, 20 minutes. If there is no, you know, inhibitors or other, you know, contributing factors that would lengthen that experience. And then you first, you know, see like fractals in different uh, versions or these gesture type spirits, just as I shared. And then like a few seconds later, 
or you take another breath and then there's like another level. And then if you really break through, that's how I would measure it. You're kind of like in a everything goes space. So there is no clear guideline anymore on how it can look or anything, but it can literally be anything at all, which is kind of great because to me, it means that your higher self has really, let's say, complete bandwidth to give you any type of, uh, you know, holograms and information and experience that you can best understand whatever you need to understand. That's at least the way I see it also with ayahuasca, just with DMT, if it's done well, it's of course even more concentrated and done in the right energy and with intention. So yeah, obviously I'm kind of a fan, but again, as you said, both of course, only when one truly is ready to meet themselves on that level. Beautifully stated. I agree 100%. Um, I keep going back to uh, the relation between dimethyltryptamine and astral projection or mentalism. And I remember as a child before, when I started astral projecting around four or five, that I was often in my early years projected into kind of a devic realm, like a two-dimensional realm to learn kind of to, to get my, my footing and to be able to move around um, and move my energy. And I encountered many beings um, who were not necessarily light. And, you know, a lot of uh, culture nowadays focuses on the celestial and love and light and the divine and et cetera. And uh, similarly, I think, um, you know, you, you kind of have to get your, your energetic legs to be able to break through right. and 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 be be comfortable to meet yourself in that open fallow like in you know in that space where like you said you're not affected by outside forces or circumstances and you can just take what you see uh for what it is um yeah i i, I definitely meant some uh some guardian type dweller in the threshold demonic type creatures in my early experience with astral travel and as i got more experienced and comfortable with it uh, oftentimes now if i project it's it's quite celestial so um, unless there's some type of lesson that i need to learn or that i'm not integrating um i i completely agree with with your theory well said both of you libras props um, I'm kind of curious, you were saying you took this kind of uh, transmigration up uh, the coast. How long did that take? What did it look like? What were some of the highlights of that? You ended up in Oregon, it seems. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was traveling, kind of integrating with, um, you know, the psychedelic tribe, um, for lack of a better term, you know, the, the collective. And I was kind of just, you know, an air sign, just vagabond trying to figure out what what place would be most appropriate for me. And um, the more I tried to control that, the more confused I became. And um, let's see, I've been in Southern Oregon now eight years. Um, and I, after, after leaving Oakland for a little while, a uh, short time compared to my time in San Diego, um, I went back home to San Diego for a little bit. And, you know, when they say, <laughs> if you think you're enlightened, spend some time with your family. Well, um, I kept, you know, going through these negative feedback loops and realizing that like my energy needed to be elsewhere and, and, um, you know, have healed with my family and, you know, can and love them very much. And, um, I know I chose them in this incarnation, but, uh, I got 
a message from a gentleman who uh, lived in Oregon and, you know, the weed scene's popping off here. And this is before, you know, legalization and recre recreational cannabis and, and all that. Um, before it was, the industry. Yeah, I mean, it's always been booming in Southern Oregon. Uh, it's It's been, you know, the mecca of, of cannabis and hemp growing for a long time, you know, for decades. But I was offered to move um, up here. And at the time, it was kind of like, you know, I felt like I was escaping and I just needed to start fresh and actually start, you know, putting my energy and effort towards the earth. And um, I was offered the opportunity to, to move to Williams, which is outside of Ashland, about 45 minutes um, in arguably the best area in Southern Oregon to grow cannabis. And um, so I spent some time there. I was on the hill for a couple of years and the town closest to me that I would visit was Ashland. And it's kind of a I very mean, hippie Mecca, right? It is. It's uh, it's got its deceptions. It's very gentrified. It's very hard to find housing here. There's, there's definitely money here. Um, but, but the roots, the, the grassroots of this town are very, uh, very groovy, um, very old. And, you know, we're on Tequilma and Shasta native land. And um, there's cold springs and hot springs everywhere. There's a definite resonance here that I think attracted me to it um, to begin with. And, and again, when I stopped trying to control uh, what I was doing or where I was, I, you know, I, I found, I found my little niche and, um, it kind of just, Oregon just kind of hugged my heart and I've done so much healing here. And, um, you know, although there are setbacks with, with the community and, and with what's going on with, uh, with the world right now, I feel really grateful to be in an area that is, you know, supportive of plant medicine and entheogens and um, healing and, uh, you know, neuropathic methods and, and other things that aren't necessarily accepted as widely in other cities. Well said. I was just looking. I've got your chart in Messenger. I haven't even realized that, so I should be looking at this. Uh, let's take a quick music break. Um, I'll gander at this. If you've got to go to the bathroom, grab some tea, do what thou wilt. It's only like a three or four minute song, so don't go too far. But uh, yeah, this is a. Cool is it gonna week. be? Is it gonna be What's that going? really, really dope uh, intro dubstep? No, that was Raphael's doing. <laughs> that was that was sick. That was thick. That was that's that was a saucy. heater. Yeah, as they say, that's hot. No, this is a um, Justice did a. Uh, I think Rick Rubin did a remix of Justice, and I. I mean, this isn't the greatest song ever, but it's it's catchy. I thought it was cool. You, you have an obsession with Justice. I love Daft Punk. And <laughs> I love House. I love I love all sorts of stuff. I actually am not nearly as obsessed with it as you might think. I like Spangle just as much, or whatever you know. Do you, um, do you like Ott? Right. Yeah. I'm not nearly as familiar with it as I should be, though. Um, I've actually got a friend um, who I'm trying to get on the podcast who's like friends with him and whatever. So interesting scenes all together. No, this is more like House, whatever you know, kind of vibes. Uh, hopefully, you enjoy. I can also it. play Ott, but it's up to you. We can outro Ott. That I get. See, what typically uh, what I do is like, oh, what's up? I mean, episode two one zero ten o ten o two. 
I mean, maybe some ought would be appropriate. We'll outro with that. Uh, but this is just a quick three-minute blip, and we'll kind of come back and we could shoot the shit about whatever's clever. Um, Oregon, entheogens, Kabbalah, you know, astrology. I'll look at your chart really quick. But yeah, this isn't a long song, but it's groovy, so hopefully you enjoy it. Welcome back. So I'm looking at your chart, which you must have sent me years ago uh, at some point. Clearly, I haven't gotten it recently. But um, yeah, of course, you're pro I mean, <laughs> attraction is a weird word, so I'm not trying to put out the wrong word here. But uh, we both have Jupiter in Aquarius. Yours is in third house. Mine is in seventh. Um, you have a north node in Taurus as, mu as well as I do. So we're kind of uh, yours is in sixth house. Mine is in, I think, tenth. And your sun and Mercury are in 11th house, Libra. I mean, I'm a sun and moon, 11th house, Gemini. So we're more, you know, gang than not. Let's just put it that way. Oh, for sure. Yeah, with that note as well. I just want to make sure, is it October 2nd, 1985, 10.08 a.m., correct? It's whatever. Yeah, that's it. You sent that to me. Uh, a oh, I sent, you, I sent you. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I didn't yeah, do it. Yeah. yeah okay, good. yeah, yeah. You've got the Virgo, uh, hard Virgo act. I mean, you've got Venus and Mars conjuncted Virgo, which is pretty, I mean, I, how do you like that? Oof. Uh, that's the perfectionism. That, that, that's the perfectionism. Um, I am, I don't mince words. My space is always clean. Um, I'm almost obsessive with, with uh, detail, which can be a strength. Uh, it can also be a weakness, depending on uh, whether you use it as a tool or not. Um, and then my other aspect is that the Scorpio, um, I think gives me a lot more emotional depth, um, Plutonian depth, uh, than your typical Libra. Oh yeah. 12th house Pluto Scorpio. That's some serious, uh, witchy shit there, folks. Um, you're definitely plumbing the depths, like your first DMT trip being that sacramental or, you know, like ritualistic, not surprising, uh, because Saturn's also in a Scorpio for you, so although it's the first house, so yeah, but because you have North Node in Gemini, or not Gemini, rather Taurus, uh, near your moon, and with that, um, Venus and Mars conjunct in 10th house Virgo, like you can really kind of be a queen bee, like that's kind of what you're here to do. So don't, you know, having your ship tidy and like knowing what you want, like to a point, is not a bad thing either. Yeah, I've realized, uh, I've accepted. Uh, and embraced who I am. Um, oh, there's an overusage of, you know, women calling themselves misses or queens or priestesses, but, um, no, you but I, 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 yeah, I fully, I feel that and I embody that. And, you know, a lot of this incarnation is, is remembering that and um, <clears throat> having a deeper sense of, self-acceptance and um you know I, I half the time i don't know what i'm doing but i try to be as real and authentic as i can um and i think the you know the medium that i work through is my heart you know um whether it's through creativity or music or writing or um you know my heart space is that that compassionate space that remembrance is is something that can't be removed from my spirit right and with a jupiter and aquarius third house um automatic writing to, I mean, you're gonna have luck being quirky 
um, and flying by the seat of your pants. So both, you know, you're going to have a really kind of tip top, you know, almost at worst kind of Von Trapp, Mr. Von Trapp and the family singers of Sound of Music kind of ship where it's like you've got a system and you're doing all the time and it's tip top and all this shit and, you know, it's got a way. Uh, but at the same time, your luck, Jupiter is like a third house, you know, being kind of an inner child and a weird, uh, like a space cadet, find the others kind of super freak if you want to put, you know, like in terms of a psychedelia community, that's probably, you know, you got on that train and rode it all the way up to Ashland. That's why it worked out for you. I mean, it could have probably worked many, many ways, but it seems like you kind of fell into uh, your, your graces on that front. And uh, you're never like, you know, you could have weird friends that are always going to have your back. It's kind of how it looks. Yeah. I, I'm learning that, you know, there's a lot of reasons. Well, actually one sole reason why I haven't left the West coast. Of course there's COVID happening right now, but my family, uh, my parents live on the West coast, but um, ideally I would stay, you know, grounded in a magical place and be able to travel more to uh, influence a broader spectrum of people. Um, you know, just through the heart. Like I couldn't even label what specifically I do, but um, you're you know, rabbit hole. I get it. It's like you kind of do a whole lot of weird magical things in psychedelic. Yeah, people, part of it. people are listening. People are watching, and and I feel that, um, especially on social media. You know, I've tried to give up on Facebook a couple times, and I, you know, it's not an ego thing. It's not how many followers I have. I just know that people I love a house on Mercury. It's where you're here to make uh, – look, trust me, I get it. Facebook and Instagram and all these kinds of things, they're platforms by which you can actually channel, basically. Like you're yeah, kind of yeah. between, you know, the AI gods and the plebeians or whatever, if you were to put it that way. If I can make a positive influence or at least make one person feel more at home for, you know, being someone who's felt quite out of place for a long time, then – I've done my work and, and that's another thing is, is this life experience. I've always been like, man, I'm out of place. I'm so different. All this, you know, this and that. Chiron is a Gemini seventh house. That's that. Where you're like, you I know, don't know how to fit in. <laughs> yeah. But also it's about that. We're here in this body in order to learn, in order, you know, to experience the suffering, the, the joy, all of it, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be your identity. But, you know, that's why we're here. Like, the, you know, the Eastern mystics, they, they talk about always being out of the body, transcending the body. And, and you know, I'm, I'm more into being in the body. Um, you know, we can travel through mentalism and, and we're naturally beings who have that ability. But this, this human experience, that's, that's why we're here, you know? Full you know? spectrum human stuff. We're here to be here. That would be... Uh, an attached question in a sense um because it's been my experience i believe so far i mean aside with alcohol of course you can do lots of things you know mainly shutting down while still kind of running an autopilot of course there's that whole thing but aside from that i wouldn't know if ever having been in a state even induced uh, through whatever substances where i would really honestly be able to say you know, when they say like, oh, you lost your mind or you lost your uh, whatever it may be exactly, your bearings. And especially what I find interesting is that also with DMT, and I'd like to know your experiences, there's actually never really a loss of body awareness. 
So if one is skilled, one can greatly shift that. But any time one wants, you can still, you know, like move around or whatever. And maybe not very effectively, but it's never really gone. What is your experience with that? Yes, I agree. And I will uh, bring it back to astral projection because I think that's like a boot camp for, you know, for DMT. Um, when you start astral projecting, so there's lucidity, right? Where you become aware that you're dreaming or you're in an altered, alternate dimension. So, but with astral projection, you know how people experience uh, sleep paralysis, right? All they're doing is becoming aware, then unaware, then aware, then unaware of their body. And they're being jolted in and out. And this is aside from, you know, other entities or attachments or other things that might come into play. But just the, the physical jarring of sleep paralysis in and out of the body is, is the lack of awareness and inability to actually roll out of your body and keep that consciousness with you the entire time. And um, yes, I agree with you. Um, I have every DMT trip I've had, I've had in the back of my mind or my psyche always a connection to body. Um, it's, it's, you know, that etheric cord, that connection is there. You know, it's, it's, it's just a muscle that needs to be stretched and, uh, and practiced. Right. So I was basically just mentioning this to kind of from even in a sense, an experiential point of view, reinforce this idea that it's about, you know, integration of it. And then when it's properly integrated, almost like a platform, you can stand on it properly. It's strong, it's healthy. You can use it in the physical and it's nice because, you know, you're feeling good. And at the same time, it's the perfect platform that you could switch 99% or even more maybe of your consciousness to a different place. Yet, or even higher frequencies, whatever, transcending this realm in many different ways, yet still this connection to the body remains, which I guess, you know, for this incarnation is a, you know, very positive uh, attribute and yeah, good to know. And again, points towards the idea that it's a simultaneous uh, awareness and not about, as usual, ignoring any aspect or trying to deny it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a gift to be able to do what we do. It's a gift uh, to, to have such an expanded consciousness that we can be two places or multiple exactly, places exactly. at a time. It's, it's actually a gift. It's, it's incredible. And so when we get stuck, you know, in our, our societal depression and, and yes, you know, I believe that humans are meant to be doing much different things that what, than what we're focusing on right now, um, this this is the way it is. And so we're tra traversing the cosmos, you know, with this incredible, you know, ability to, to expand like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a trip. Like life is a trip. Quite literally. Uh, so I, on that note, what are kind of some of your ontological presuppositions in terms of like your worldview? I know you were saying you're raised Jewish. Um, how much of that do you still resonate with? What, in, you know, when you come into contact with all these beings, what are you making of that? Do you believe everything is mind and we're just playing around and it's, it's all spirit and the material is kind of an illusion? How do you, how do you grok the thing? Well, since I wasn't super deeply influenced, um, the, the Judaism uh, and the Kabbalah kind of found its way back to me 
and and even in that there's deception because we don't know you know particularly how deep that rabbit hole goes um and there's a lot of connections with other civilizations and and theories behind that um but in a lot of my visions uh in just meditation and or astral projection I would see scriptures and fire letters and uh, different Egyptian style influences. So I really, you know, I started digging deeper into peeling back the layers of illusion. Um, and at one point I wanted to throw away like 95% of my books because it's just all muddled backwash of, of, you know, what we think everything is, but um, there's one universal truth and, it doesn't speak in language it's a frequency and you know that's why music is so beautiful because it's it's not a language it's a frequency um do i think we're all mind um i believe we operate uh through the heart and the mind i don't know i don't pretend to know how that works um i do know that my brain can be a little bitch and, uh, you know, there's the, the ego's in place for a reason. It's for survival. I know that oftentimes it's hard to break through traumas and stress and, and whatnot, but in its most pristine form, the mind is a tool uh, to, to travel these realms of consciousness. And um, I think through the heart comes compassion through experience in this human body. Like when you go through a particular experience that might be traumatic for you, you open um, and deepen your compassion for other humans that may not be comfortable discussing what they're going through. Um, you know, I've kind of just uh, had these two aspects similar to two places that you could be in on a dimethyltryptamine journey, um, that you've got your body, um, you know, the, the gift that you're given through this human experience and then your your mind um, to to transcend that. But you know, where does the soul come in? Um, the spirit, I believe the spirit is the the spiritual genetics or DNA or what have you. Um, that your soul, you know, goes through different lifetimes and learns things and um, evolves and doesn't necessarily ascend or anything like the new age hippies are talking about. It's, it's more so that you're just on this journey and you, you know, you just continue to upgrade and, and learn through your experience to, to be a better human, to be, a more purified soul to be that alchemist in your life, um, you know, to be your highest self for the highest good of all. Like, um, you know, that's what, in my opinion, life is all about. It's about, you know, taking what you have and, and doing the best you can with it and knowing in your heart that you're, you're um, striving to be um, better every day and, and taking those days, even if they're hard, as a gift. And um, yeah, that's, that's a very hard question. Well, don't worry. You don't have to be authoritative. I'm not looking for the answer. I think what we kind of do here is just ask people where they're at and kind of ping off of them. I mean, I think you're pretty fucking woke. I know that's got a lot of baggage to it, that term, but it seems like you've been doing cool shit since you were a kid. 
um, you uh, uh, even you know Terrence McKenna's whole shtick because he was a um, Virgo Moon Scorpio Sun in third house. I've looked at his chart; I don't remember at all. But it's like uh, you know pretty intense. But he was you know with a Sun in third house, he was very uh, bardic, right? Very poetic in his kind of um, assessment of the Tao. In a sense, he was always saying it was linguistic, like the fundamentals language. Um, it's so very mental in that sense. Uh, whereas some people, you know, we've had people on be like, no, we're we're dream, you know, we're a butterfly dreaming, we're a thing, you know, that kind of thing. In terms of the humanoid aspect, um, obviously that's the nature, you know, I would say we're humans. But what is your kind of understanding of star seeds and maybe your holographic nature, if you want to kind of spit on that for a sec? Oof. Um. Well. I know the others are out there. I know that there right now there's an even more pronounced separation of like uh, information and falsehood. Um, and so, you know, the separation that people are speaking about is frequency. There's, there's the reason I left where I lived in San Diego is because I wanted to be drawn closer to people who would understand my human experience and also, you know, additionally amplify that. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, do you have any memories or identity? Do you identify with any kind of like the Lyrans or, you know, Orion or anything like that in particular? And Raphael, anything you want to kind of speak about this? Cause this, I wasn't, really for a long time i was very apprehensive about star seeds quite frankly um and i was just like i don't know this seems like a Jungian projection to a new archetype like you know just like a tarot you have like kings and queens and knights it's like okay well that's where consciousness was and now we've gone to a place of galactic understanding um with you know science and stuff and now we're projecting out there uh and then when jupiter entered sagittarius a few years ago i was kind of willing to listen to star actually we're having light star her name is on this lady from sedona um come on like she has all these like uh activations right and i was like oh, i'll just go through them all and check them out and i noticed that i was more open to it since that i've had i've only had one psychic reading ever really and they were like oh shit you're you know these star seeds you're actually you've got an off body aspect like in a fucking ship like all this heady shit you know you were an ascian with jesus and stuff which kind of resonates with the christian stuff which i can't shake it seems no matter what even on dmt um, I didn't know if you uh, had any experiences where you're like, oh, I'm a light work, you know, light worker is one thing. I think you're on that wave a little. It seems like you're like highest vibe, show the light kind of uh, emerald tablets, be a light on the way kind of thing. But um, did you have you had any kind of specific um, activations or identity awarenesses at that level? Uh, well, um, I'm in this phase right now where like everyone's like, yeah, I'm a Palladian and yeah, you know, this or that. Um, and, Being a starseed so, is so hot potato. It, it's so hot it's, right now. It's so trendy right now. So hot right now. Um, but yeah, I, I attune to the Venetians, uh, the Pleiadians. Um, I do believe I'm a solid indigo, perhaps violet ray, um, blue ray spectrum i don't know um because that's been wiped from me um and i'm not going to pretend to know but i definitely attune to that higher frequency grid um which is why i believe that i've retained the skills that i have um 
in this incarnation, um, but but I can't really you know know for sure. Um, I, I do appreciate that. That's very first house Saturn. Like I'm not gonna go too far out on the limb here, but probably <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm not just, just selling woo or whatever. Going out on a limb, uh, but what you say, and I'm in many different ways actually agreeing with you, especially if one considers there's infinite layers. The one is all the all are one. So the question is like, what are you not? Tell me something you're not. It's going to be hard to find. It's a matter of degree and perception and connection in the moment. However, just by the ideas that you mentioned or agreed upon with Jim, what about uh, Sirius or Arcturus? You know, just this meditating on that. Um, I, I don't, I don't feel I'm associated in, uh, maybe I'm connected or in awareness, but I've always been drawn to Venetian slash Pleiadian vibes. Um, and also, uh, your thumb may have slipped last night. Oh, maybe she's losing connection. You know, when I look at... Hello? Oh, I hear you now. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. I Every time I've looked most, uh, I think a spot. Um, do we know history? Do we know what that means or why people are drawn to certain constellations and star systems? Um I don't know. I think it goes deeper than that. What am I not? Um, I think I go deeper into my human experience. Um, I'm not here to harm people. I'm here to protect the earth. I'm here to love the children and the elders. I'm here to anchor light. Um, at, early in my experience, too, when lightworkers.org was first created, I'm not sure what year that was. might have been 2000 perhaps somewhere in there. I was a frequent on that site. Um, I was drawn to that and spent a lot of time in their, their message boards and, um, you know, different articles and transmissions that are still out today. Um, and I do think there's a reason I was drawn to that. And, um, but I still, I, I still couldn't tell you exactly what I am. I do believe, you know, in the idea of of hybrids. I do believe that we came from different parts of the cosmos and different star systems, but I do believe we signed up for this, um, whatever this is. And I've just been doing my best to take that as a gift and, um, you know, daily existence can be exhausting sometimes, but if you retain that magic, uh, it's a lot more tolerable and exciting. Agreed, agreed, and agreed. In my, you know, com completely irrelevant perspective, <clears throat> maybe somewhat relevant. That's what I consider like a healthy outlook and approach. You know, <laughs> you're winning, Lazuli. You're winning. There's, there's, so, there's just too ahead. many people out there, and this is not, you know, a disrespect, but they're either trying to reach God too quickly, or they're so quick to label themselves this or that. Um, or their a complete false identity of of who they really are, 
And um, yeah, so I've I've kind of adopted that theory for some time now, where where I'd rather just experience without labeling and and feel the authenticity of, and truth behind, you know, what I see and what I feel. Now that you mentioned this, just to be specific, because that's one of the particular issues I've been, let's just say, amusing myself with, is especially in very heightened state, and I guess in particular in association with DMT. Let me put it like this, how easy do you find it? I don't even know, I don't even want to ask for any tricks because, you know, this, like I said, this is the realm where all bets are off. But what I just realized is that my mind, of course, is very quick, attempting to describe and comment, and I don't even know if that even can be turned off. But I just realized that at least to a point, how should I say, at the one hand, one sees these things, and sometimes it makes sense, and it has a good storyline and like recognizable symbols. And then there's a layer when it becomes kind of mushy, or just so kind of abstract and multi-layered, that it's really hard to recognize what one is dealing with. So that makes it double hard in a sense to memorize it. Or also then you have the, or I recognize this in a sense, the ego mind trying to describe and comment on it or trying to figure out what it perceives. Whilst at the same time, one knows like there is nothing to recognize here for this point. All you can do really is just look at it, be in awe and kind of enjoy it. Because what you really need to understand, you will in time, but it literally can't be solved from that mind-based perspective in that level. So I'd just be curious, just for fun, kind of anything you'd like to share on these types of, uh, let's say, uh, dialogues. Um, well, I feel uh, in the human body, like language is a tool. Identification is a tool. You know, we used it primarily uh, for survival and whatnot, but, but, the dimensions that we experience and we live in are so benevolent and so expansive and so beautiful that I feel like we wouldn't be able to handle, handle it if we experience that all at once. And, um, you know, any tips or tricks I have, um, again, back to, to dream recall and astral travel, um, Intention is huge. Uh, usually before I rest, I speak with my angels and, and I connect with them frequently or my, you know, my, my guides, um, my guardians, my homies. Um, and, and I speak to my higher self and I request that, you know, perhaps I don't remember in terms of words or, or, or what I saw, but I can um, more deeply depict through my heart um, the feelings and the imagery that I've experienced and a lot of times those experiences will will come back to me and like you said at the right time when I'm able to process them and understand them um, nothing is revealed unless we can understand it and it's it's revealed at the right time you know in time and space whatever that is um, and also it takes not discipline, but practice, you know, it's similar to being a child where you, you begin to roll over and then you begin to crawl. You can't, you can't jog uh, a marathon before you've learned to crawl and, um, 
And with labeling those things, I try to just keep it as surface as possible because there's similar to my consciousness right now in my waking life, I'm always digging deeper to see what the truth is with everything peeled back. Um, And that takes the humility of not knowing. Knowing that we don't know is really the, the beginning of wisdom, right? I mean, that's the holding on loosely, just kind of accepting it. I'm kind of curious, two things, and if you don't want to tell us, you can keep, you know, don't throw pearls to swine or whatever, but um, what guides and angels are you kind of trying to connect with uh, when you kind of dip to the astral and otherwise? And I want to kind of understand uh, if you have an opinion on the idea of good and evil, um, you know, what that, what you know, Buddhism is like, everything's suffering, escape this bitch real quick if you can. Christianity seems more like this is broken but redeemable. <laughs> Um, Hinduism is more like nothing's out of place, celebrate everything, you know, jam with Krishna all day. Um, so yeah, your gods and angels, who they are, if you want to talk about that at all, and kind of your impression on uh, duality, even though it seems like we're all kind of on the unity front. Yes, um, I've, so as far as the angelic realm goes, um, I've got a fleet uh, who have been with me for, since childhood that I've met and uh, experienced many discussions, healings, presence um, through different dimensions, different altered states. Um, I speak to them. Um, I, there's four in particular that are always with me. I don't know if it's your typical archangels or if they're, you know, specifically assigned to me, but they're the number four comes up Um in just my daily protection but if i'm really feeling something or i really need assistance i call upon more i often call upon michael i often call upon metatron um you know for the more visual visceral type things and um you know in the violet spectrum but i i will tell you this uh, i'm surrounded uh frequently and i and i make it so i i request have an entourage yeah i i request that they're with me often i say prayers often sometimes i say prayers out of uh, out of um habit that just you know that i don't sometimes it's so integrated that i don't even recognize it at this point um but yeah i've got an entourage and i feel that that's accessible to every human being on this planet and it just depends on, you know, your frequency and who's been assigned to you and who you want to assign to you. And, and you have to make sure they're of truth because I used to think, you know, nothing can harm me and everything's love and light. Well, not always, but, you know, there was this very, like, protected celestial theory um, that I used to adopt. And then I realized that, like, as far as good and bad goes, um, just like different dimensions and different frequencies, darkness and light, you know, as above, so below, there are negative energies and entities, um, which usually take the place of thought forms, which are kind of like little mental parasites. And um, they're only here to deter us from uh, gaining on the spiritual path or, or, uh, you know, liberating ourselves through the human experience. They're kind of just a distraction. And um, 
So you think they're antithetical to our ascension in that sense? I mean, that's a woo jacked up term. I get it, but it's like you think there's because we've had uh, discussions. Um, I don't know if you've ever checked out Manly P. Hall's Secret Teachings of the Ages, but at some point in there, it's uh, Raphael's wrote it a few times. There's this um, story basically about like Adam, like Adam and Eve, like being like, "Well, I died and I never gave into the serpent. Fuck you, snake!" And the snake turns into an angel, and it's like I was here to basically be a, you know, in in a, in the you know. Um, an obstacle for you to overcome. So he, he was rooting for us to beat him, I guess, in that sense. Uh, do you think there's things that just want to hold us down and not let us go and they're just evil straight up? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm careful to not say um, that there's like, you know, stuff out to get us or go into the fear timelines and stuff because ultimately nothing can harm us without our permission. But I think in the human experience, Experience that at certain times, similar to the vastness of the astral realm, um, there's everything and anything out there. Um, and, you know, it's science, bro. It's, it's to recognize that, you know, we can be susceptible and vulnerable to negative energies, similar to like if your coworker's having a bad day and slewing their energy all over the place, it can affect you if you haven't uh, you know, protected your field and um, have taken seriously the steps to project, protect your energy. It kind of reminds me of um, cymatics in the sense of you've ever seen people, you know, throw sand or whatever on a, a plate and turn up the frequencies, kind of like blasting off, uh, where there's patterns that are very sacred and beautiful. And then like in between those patterns are very chaotic, kind of like shifty places. So... Because sometimes I'm like, oh my god, this is a battle, like very Zoroastrian or something, where it's like there's you know, light and dark, you know, I don't know if you've read the Emerald Tablets, the, um, the Atlantean or whatever, but it's like there's a brotherhood and they're here to fuck you up and they don't want you to get it and they find, you know, it's like the Sith or whatever, they're like, I want to go to the left-hand path and I will fuck up and I will kill Chaos, Kali, and then sometimes I pull back and Raphael was helping me more with this, where it's like, all these serve a function in some way, and it's like a pronoia as opposed to paranoia. Um, I'm not really against you know people booting up with you know the righteous arm, armor and the sort of truth and all this stuff because discernment's like the name of the game. I mean, if anything, we live in a paradoxical machine that is testing us at all times. But then sometimes that can be very tiring in a way, and almost like I don't know if we overly identify with that. We should just submit to the flow, turn off our mind, relax, flow downstream, kind of thing. Um, Raphael or Lazuli, if you guys want to talk about anything I just kind of gushed about. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, again, through the human experience, like, especially recently, I have, uh, been focusing on at times and oftentimes in alignment with coronavirus and everything else that are, you know, happening in these strange days, strange timelines, um, spending time alone clearing my energy being mindful of my self-talk um you know words as frequencies picking up on subtle frequencies you know the micro macro cosmos of the nature of life is is everything and anything's out there and um i don't i don't focus on the toxicity or the negativity because you know, even with having, you know, potentially trauma in your childhood, it's not your identity. Um, but I feel that it's integrated with um, divinity and self-respect, um, self-awareness that 
you are able to mindfully and consciously protect your energy and remove yourself from situations, people, events that don't serve your highest good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just, Raphael, you're quiet. Yeah, well, I just want to say that this particular chapter actually is called The Guardian of the Threshold. And uh, in my view, yeah, everything... Oh, well, the fundamental, I'd rather say. <laughs> um, everything serves its purpose. Uh, to me, it is all a divine orchestration. Ultimately, there is no real opponent because there is only one. However, within that, all the infinite games are played. And if one chooses to adopt a perspective for which I think there's plenty evidence, but, you know, whatever, just in practical terms, it just makes everything a lot less stressful because maybe you're aware there's also these Gnostic terms, even as we mentioned, you have to escape the body. Or, you know, when you die, you really got to turn left or not go into the light because then the Archon's going to capture you and you got to be recycled on that planet, you know. And whilst as storylines and... Uh, subjective perceptions even on a soul level somewhat maybe these things can exist ultimately everything is always in perfect order and there is if anything only growth within the infinite which i guess in itself already is somewhat of a paradox but that's the other thing that's at the core of the whole thing so understanding those things to me is like also again very associated with the Jester energy, as we spoke about with the DMT. And that's the fundamental idea that, especially in contrast to how negatively serious many people take everything, one can really, you know, have a good laugh, take a step back and recognize the, yet ultimately I would really say the perfect order and also the perfect allowance of all kinds of creativity. And then it just allows completely different mindset and even any obstacle of course i agree with jim that's why i read this part like three times already as within the chapter manly palmer hall secret teachings of all ages garden of the threshold um these are all just stepping stones and it's important if you want to have certain lessons that you have certain opponents that really play their part really well doesn't mean that ultimately all they do and all they serve you for is to bring you to where you really want to go that's uh, similar to when uh, I saw a quote, and I'm going to destroy it, but it was something uh, along the lines of, I once was offered darkness. It took me a while to realize that this, too, was a gift. Exactly. It kind of reminds me of uh, A Neverending Story, which is a heady-ass fucking movie. I haven't read the book. It's, I think, a German folktale or something in its original form, but um, or at least a German short story kind of thing. Uh, if you've seen the movie where it's just like, not only is it fourth wall breakage, where it's like, we're telling, we're an Ouroboros. We're telling ourselves the story through ourselves. That, oh my gosh. You know, as within, so without like all the fractal there, but, um, when the nothing, which is kind of the void that's looked at in a negative sense, kind of destroys everything, whether that's black hole energy or Kali or, you know, apocalypse or whatever, you know, like, uh, the reset has to occur, um, and their thing. And then ultimately out of that darkness, the light comes still. So it's a rather tricky dream we're in. I, like sometimes I get really kind of woo about it. And I'm like, we're just a dream, holofractal dream, and kind of, you know, oh my gosh. Then other times I'm like, wow, uh, there's an Orwellian government telling me to do X, Y, Z. You know, it's like it's very tactily kind of disconcerting, I guess you could say. Um, 
I do appreciate, you know, Raphael's perspective in that uh, it takes a lot of, ca- I mean, it seems like yours too. It's like, it takes a lot of ca- cast of characters to tell a good story. Uh, you know, I was like hearing George. it takes a lot of cactus, but yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I've never gone to San Pedro or Mescalin. Uh, I don't know if I will. Um, I'm kind of in, uh, I mean, I haven't tripped in a while. It's been since like July. My and Dad at time was last time I'd acid. Um, that was fun. And I had smoked a few times and it's not like I'm against it, but like I used to chief like every day, all day pothead, need this to sleep, need this to eat, like to feel quote normal, uh, from a lot of years. And now, you know, I puffed uh, a gram, I think a few weeks ago and I was like, I had fun, but I was kind of like asleep for two days and like eating too much and just kind of like burnt. <laughs> I much prefer kind of the cogency where I'm at now. Not that I'm really even saying anything's ultimately anything, but it seems the chapter I'm in now, I'll probably trip soon and see how I feel about that. But um, it's funny how psychedelics can, you know, come in and out as tools. You don't want to become dependent on the tool, you know, uh, but I, I, I'll never poo poo them. I think they're amazing uh, tools. Uh, anyway, Raphael, were you going to read that or were you just saying something about it? No, I was just talking about it. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I didn't know. Um, all right. Well, I mean, is there anything we haven't really touched on that's chomping at your, uh, you know, soul to speak on? Uh, is that, you know, we've covered a lot of bases. I want to get you back on here. You're cool as fuck. You're definitely team rabbit hole. Um, I figured that ever since we've kind of come into contact with each other digitally, um, but yeah, hopefully our paths cross in the flesh one day and we can, you know, rave out or something in the high desert or something like that. I have no clue. Um, but is there anything we haven't really talked about? No, but in response to, uh, I think you, with your Gemini ways, you've covered a lot of things. Um, and I think it's a good introduction and, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely love to cross path, paths with you and, um, and be featured again and, you know, reach the masses. This is a cool thing that you're doing. And Raphael, you seem like a lovely human being and yeah. Well, he's, yeah with, he's really with it. Yeah, it's a pleasure to, to speak with human you Human after all. Well, this time around, we all get to be human. It's nice too, no? <laughs> right. Uh, he's played some song before with an Alan Watts sample um, where it's kind of like, uh, this shit is a weird play and it had, you know, you know, in order for it to feel immersively convincing and entertaining in a weird way, like the good has to come, you know, right to the edge of losing it. And the bad has to like seem it's always going to, you know, like Voldemort's got to be right up on your throat. And then it kind of just resets and plays around with itself. So I am glad that we've all kind of, uh, whether it's through psychedelics or digital friendships or conversations, it seems like, you know, the whole point of team rabbit hole and sub levels find the others. It's like, there's a bunch of people out here going through the same stuff. And if we can kind of, you know, not only edify each other and sharpen each other, um, keep each other accountable, you know, discerning, not just go hype, you know, balls deep into the hyper woo and just disappear into fucking fluff or whatever. Cause that can be a problem in the new age kind of circles, psychedelic circles. Um, so accountability, but also like dreaming big, you know, kind of like an inception. It's like, you got to dream bigger. Like, it seems like the fractals just going to keep looping out and clearly you guys are uh, on the wave. So, uh, I really do appreciate you coming on. I know it's been a while. We got it down in the book. So good Empress energy, all the which way. I'm glad that, you know, episode turned out the way it has, um, any kind of parting thoughts, let us know, uh, you know, links. We'll put them in the description. Uh, any kind of, you know, last two cents and anything you want to plug. 
Um, sure. I, I'm not super expanded on the interwebs. I don't have a website or anything, but um, if you do want to follow me on Instagram, it's heartbeatsart. Um, and also my group on Facebook is Galactic Activation. Um, but honestly, I just mostly speak through Facebook and Instagram. I don't have uh, much of a uh, a, a database there it's kind of more through authentic connection but um yeah if you're feeling drawn to it um please please go ahead and follow that's what's up well thanks lazuli lazuli i can't even pronounce it uh you're cool as fuck glad our paths crossed we'll get you back on here and talk with some of the monkeys about cool shit uh or, or just you again if you want you can hold your own for sure uh and yeah guys like Ripu cheap says Further up and further in. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much, Lazuli, for coming on. Thank you, Jim, as always. And yeah, you got the last last call now. So either we can play this one odd track I apparently have, which is called Escape from Tulsi Hell. It's a remix. Or we can play some more uh, dubstep. It's up to you. It's my call? It is. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Dealer's choice. I, I, I feel like you should play some art for sure. All right, so here we go. Thank you very much. And thank you all so much for listening. Know thyself and enjoy yourselves as always. Thank you. Radio Pokey.